Welcome to Center of Attention, the podcast. My name is Seth Everett. Normally, we do this show with either a former NBA player, Tom Thomas, or a host of other great broadcasters, including David Moulton from Fox Sports Florida, Jay Mariotti, longtime columnist and broadcaster, and many, many more. This podcast comes from a Twitch show. We do the show Monday through Friday live, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll take the episodes that we do online and turn them into this podcast. You can download this podcast at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can find podcasts, but you can see the show live and on archive by going to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Seth Everett. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can subscribe to the channel for free. That's right. Just link your Amazon Prime and a Twitch account, and suddenly you can subscribe to one channel and not pay a penny for it. You subscribe for free, and we get the subscription. Go to www.twitch.tv slash Seth Everett for more information. Now enjoy this episode of Center of Attention. Very good thing. Uh, everything is all discombobulated. We were on the bottom of the screen. Now we're on the top of the screen. We're still on Zoom because we like Zoom, even though it crashed Rami's computer. But nonetheless, <laughs> hey, listen, we're going for a day, and we're going to try to do a show. Hi, everyone. My name is Seth Everett. Atan can't be here today, and we promised at least once or twice a month we are going to check in with one of my favorites. Uh, he was a radio host. He's a stand-up comedian, and he is one of the great sports minds. He's also very funny. Last time we got into so many debates, we didn't hear how funny he was. <laughs> so we're going to hope for this time to be more funny, and we're just going to hope for that. Uh, don't Robbie, put that on me, Seth. Don't put that on me. The worst thing you can do to a comedian is say, be funny. Be I don't funny. know if you saw Tell me something funny. I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, Dave Chappelle visiting Kanye West's compound after he had his little breakdown. And Kanye looks at Chappelle and says, say something funny, man. And I've never seen Dave Chappelle like uncomfortable and not (laughs) able to pull up something funny. That's the kryptonite to even the greatest comedian in the world is be funny. That's the worst um, thing you could do. He also, he said, say something uplifting. And he goes, (laughs) he goes, have you ever seen my humor? <laughs> That's what hey, my dog wanted to make a cameo. Look at that. Oh, look at that. There's dogs. What's his dog's name? Osgood. For the hockey goalie? I, that's what you know everybody who i tell he had that's his name that's what they asked that was his name at the uh, adoption center when i brought him home so so someone named him osgood and then said you know the red wings suck so i'm giving this yeah. dog up yeah i think so wow i didn't know that yeah but he definitely does not suck i just want to make that clear my dog he, he definitely rocks. doesn't he suck he's the greatest and uh when last we checked you were alone in quarantine but you're okay you're good yeah yeah, man, I'm good. You're I can't healthy. complain. Um, I mean, I could complain. I don't have a job, Seth. I'm not going to complain, though, because uh, nobody that I know has gotten COVID and, thank God, you know, suffered the the ultimate fate of it. So in these times, I feel like that's – you could just feel like you're blessed and, and grateful for that, even if you don't have a job and you're lonely and in an apartment by yourself sure. for six months. This just got sad, didn't it? No, I, <laughs> this, this isn't very funny. Um, no, I, I, look, the, the job thing, and it got worse. I mean, NBC laid off a bunch of people. 
Um, Warner Brothers just laid off half of DC Comics. Um, that's awful. And, uh, you know, I do that Hall of Justice podcast, so I follow that stuff very closely. And uh, that's awful. I mean, the, the workforce is just going bad. But I wanted to start the conversation, and I don't know how this doesn't turn political, but it will. Um, I wanted to start the conversation with, as all the time... <laughs> Paulie writes, I laid you off. Yes, you did lay me off. <laughs> yeah, from a Syracuse game. From a Syracuse gig, rather. <laughs> and when the ACC cancels, I won't be on that station ever again. So that's fine. Um, no, but my question to you is because you haven't been personally exposed. Right. So, I, And I ask a lot of people this because people come from different perspectives. Does it wear on you that it's been five months and you're now like, what is this goddamn COVID thing? I don't have any connection to it. Am I done with this? Like, like I mean, it wears on me. I, I mean, I think it wears on anybody. If it doesn't wear on you, you're either like one of the Avengers and just that strong, <laughs> or you're like clueless and don't and can't grasp the the seriousness and the severity of the situation. It absolutely wears on me, Seth. But something I keep reminding myself and that I try to remind other people is just because you're over COVID doesn't mean COVID is over <laughs> COVID. And we, we don't get to choose when this is over. And that sucks. And I'm a control freak, Seth. Right. I think you know that about me. I'm a control freak. And being in a situation that none of us can really control. I mean, we could do a, whole, a much better job of controlling it than we have. And this is where it starts to get political. But really, none of us can control this thing. COVID right. doesn't care if you want to enjoy your summer, it doesn't care if you want to go to a bar. It doesn't care if you want to go to a movie theater. It doesn't give a crap, dude. And we don't get to choose when this thing is over. We just have to try and persevere and do our best and survive it and live through it and take care of each other if we could possibly do that. But the other thing, and I've been reading this, uh, it has to do with college football, but I was reading this and they're saying that in some young people that had asymptomatic covid you know, because that's that's the, the other side's, you know, claim is that if you're young and strong, it goes, you know, you get it. You're mm -hmm. sick for a couple of days and you come back and you quarantine and you're, you're good and you're done and you go back to whatever you're going back to. But they're finding spots on people's lungs and they they haven't been testing for that. So it's not something that you can say, well, it's 10 percent of the people who get it like they have no idea. And heart damage too. So heart damage. We, we well, right. We I was I was getting to that. Yeah. So the, heart the damage. Thing about, the and thing I'm not saying this. right. I'm not saying we know everything. You're not the exactly. expert. I'm not the exactly. expert. But neither are these idiots that are going on and saying, well, they can play because they're young and they're fine and it's good and it's going. Jim Beheim, who is a guy who I admire a great deal, he made an ass of himself yesterday. He says, well, these kids are getting it, and then they, if they get it, they get it, and they, they're fine. Let them play. And I'm like, shut up. They, you're going to hurt people's livelihoods. You're going to hurt people's health when you make claims like that because if we're going to criticize our political leaders for doing it, why can't we criticize our basketball coaches and our football coaches? I've long believed that coaches in general, especially college coaches, are one-minded, are single-minded. They have one thing on their mind, and that's that's the sport. And they're borderline obsessive about it. And it's part of what makes them great. But in a lot of in a lot of cases, Seth, it's also what gives them a blind spot when we're talking about something like what we're talking about right now. That they're so single-minded, so 
focused on the one thing that, that, that they've cared about for basically their entire lives, that they, they, they think that that's bigger than, than this pandemic that we're all going through right now. And, and it's, it's simply not. College sports, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, Seth, and a big part of the reason I don't have a job right now is because there aren't as many sports going on right now. So I would love for it to be happening. But if, if it's not feasible within the, the parameters of, A, watching out for these young men and women who their well-being and the, the, this portion of their lives and getting them there, getting them ready for the next portion of their lives are taken care of and are healthy and you're not putting them in harm's way unnecessarily, but also be that you're not doing something that's going to lead to this thing spreading further outside of that bubble of college sports and to the rest of us in society and just walking around in our day-to-day lives and, and trying to function. And you said you're not an expert I'm not an expert. And that's certainly true. We are not experts. Seth. Right. I can confirm that. But here's the thing is that even the experts Don't have know. been wrong right. about this thing. And people try to point a finger at that and want to want to say that, you know, Dr. Fauci was lying and this is all a hoax and blah, blah, blah. And, right. And there's a and guy in China. We, I hear but, the story. There's a guy in Wuhan lay, laughing at everybody. <laughs> but the thing is that when you have a new virus, when you have a new anything, Seth, we don't know much about it. So we're learning about it on the fly and reacting accordingly. You know what I mean? Whether we're talking about the science of this thing, whether we're talking about the societal aspect of this thing, or whether we're talking about how sports can happen in the middle of a pandemic, it's constantly changing because we're finding out more about this new virus. And as circumstances and information changes, your actions and reactions should also accordingly change. That's just how smart people live. Well, I, I don't understand. And it's so fractured and everything in our lives is fractured in this country. And yesterday we had on a guy from Berlin, Germany, uh, the play by play voice of uh, Formula E, which is a sport I, I, you know, I follow very closely. And Jack Nichols was on. From the bubble in Berlin, they found like this airstrip near an air, uh, an abandoned airport, and they made a track out of it. And they're doing six races in nine days, and I think it's the smartest bubble I've ever. That's incredible. Heard. That's it, creative it, it, thinking, it's, man. It's that's so outside. Smart. That's uh, that's outside the bubble thinking right. by putting it inside the bubble. I've been calling, and I know I'm not the only one, Seth, for Football Island. Why has Football Island? Not, not been green. constructed yet with right. all the resources that the NFL has. Just find some remote location, build eight football fields out in the middle of nowhere, and let's yeah. get this season going. Iowa, baby. What are we doing? Wyoming, get Maine. I would. I, I suggested quadrants. I said divide it into four uh, quadrants and just do uh, Iowa, Wyoming, Montana, and Maine, just to spread it around. Sure. Yeah. And, and and do it. And 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 Jay Mariotti was really funny because he was on last week and he comes on and he says well that would take months to set up what did you have what <laughs> it's been since march we've been talking about this it's Seth, august for god's sake when and look i know i'm not here to defend china <laughs> all right let me just put that disclaimer out there defend china. <laughs> i'm not here to defend china defend but with china. with with the with the coronavirus first broke out there they literally put up hospitals in days they built days. hospitals in days. You telling me you can't get the sod down and get some field goal posts up and get these things painted for, for to to build a few football fields within a matter of months? Within a matter of months, you well, can't get and they, that together. And baseball was building that field of dreams in Iowa 
even though it's a pandemic and nobody should be traveling anywhere, they were building that goddamn thing. I know. And they only canceled it. They didn't cancel it because of the pandemic. They canceled it because the Cardinals can't go because they can't play. Right. That was a joke. That was a that was a we'll get to baseball. The college thing to me is much more alarming. And we had a, a board of education meeting yesterday in our town. And I was just watching. You know, it was online. That sounds thrilling, dude. Oh, it was riveting. And <laughs> there's a whole controversy with uh, Blue Lives Matter and all this nonsense. And uh, and it dominated like 60% of the meeting. And my whole reaction is, and it's a controversy, the, the principal, the, the, in, back in October, I have to give the context because I can't do that to the audience. It's not nice. Uh, the, the principal of our school, the, the yearbook, that was filmed in, uh, they put it together in October of last year. Uh, they honored police at a rally, you know, at a sports game. And so they had a picture with the blue lives, the, the blue line on the flag. And right now in today's time, that has a very different connotation. But back in October, it didn't. Sure. And no, there was nothing racist about it. There was nothing wrong about it. And I live in New Jersey. I live 30 minutes from <coughs> New York City. And I'm sorry, but in New York City... Cops are heroes. Cops are heroes. And I am the most non-racist person you'll ever know, but cops are heroes. There are asshole cops. There are awful cops. You're in Minneapolis where George Floyd was murdered. But that doesn't make all cops bad. And so what I would say about the Blue Lives Matter is it's tone deaf because if you're doing something like that, you're, you're not acknowledging what's going on in the country. But he didn't know that in October. He's not a soothsayer. Right. And he apologized because one of the parents in my godforsaken town went on <laughs> Fox News and did a segment with that schmuck uh, Tucker Carlson. Oh, God. And anything that makes Tucker Carlson look good, it bothers me. And it was so stupid. And every na- button now is defending the principal. And it's a pandemic and school starts in three weeks and we're fighting about this. Like, that's ridiculous. It just doesn't make sense. So my attitude. So my attitude is my kids are starting out in this house. They right. are not going to school. And I'll be very callous and I'll say, let some other kids be the guinea pigs. If now, if their system that they have not been able to talk about because they're too busy talking about goddamn Black Lives Matter which is a thing I support, if, if, if they can't have a plan that I know about, let school start on after Labor Day, and let's see it for a month, and let's see it be great. And I want to hear my daughter's friends go, everybody's at school and they're loving it. You know what? October 1, I'll send you guys to school. But I'm not going to be the guinea pig. I'm not going to be the, the, the fool that watches all think, these idiots. And that's college to football to me. Pig, I don't think any kid should be the guinea pig. A because not. A because why would you put a kid in harm's way? And B because that's just another link in the chain of of spreading this thing. It's another match in in the forest okay. fire that that so, has been. So that answer has been this question: seventy percent of my town is sending their kids to school for a hybrid program. Why? I, I don't know, man. It's selfish parents. It's I know why. It's selfish parents that want I, the time. But I'm going to be honest with you, Seth. I try to stay out of the whole. I have my. I definitely have my opinions on it. But the whole whether or not kids should go back to school, I'm going to leave that to parents. Because as a non-parent, oh, a, parent. Okay. a a 
the education of your kids is on the line, which is probably priority number one for you when, when we're talking about this dilemma or this debate. And, and B, your sanity is on the line. <laughs> like I, I got friends with kids who love their kids to death, who are great parents and you know love spending time with their children. But enough is enough, goddammit. And they want, they want these kids to go back to school and get out of their hair. So uh, those are two things that I, I can't relate to, the importance no, no, of your fine. child's education that, and, and your mental health and sanity as a parent, wanting to you know have some time to breathe. But everything that you're saying makes sense. And I think it makes sense for kids to not go back to school. But that's just my sort of relatively uneducated and uninformed opinion on that particular subject. But, fine, but what sports, about, but what about if you're okay, let, let's go one step further. What about um, colleges? I, I would not send my kid to now. My kids are younger, so I don't have this, this fight, but I wouldn't send my kids to uh, college. You've heard of a, a gap year. People mm-hmm. have done that a lot. For sure. Like, what I would do is there's always prerequisites, right? Like you went, to, you went to college. I went to college. I had to take chemistry, and I said it yesterday, so I'll say it again. Yes, I cheated off Miami Dolphins kicker Alindo Mare in chemistry. <laughs> I did it. I copped to it. He didn't cheat off me. I cheated off him. Just want to note it. I didn't know he was going to have an 11 year career in the National Football League. Did I think the statute of limitations is up on that. I don't think he was just a degree, kicker. So. He was a kicker yeah. on the football team. I was the sideline reporter. I knew him. He, he was smart in chemistry. I was stupid. I didn't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't take it back. Um, but anyway, my, my point is um, in school, um, people are going to campus. Like some schools are open. And I think the reason, and this is how it all ties into sports, I think the reason that schools are open is more about football than it is about kids' safety because they're going through all these hoops to get kids into school. But I'm telling you right now, like, it looks harsh. I've seen the pictures at Notre Dame. I've seen the pictures at Missouri. I've seen the pictures at Syracuse. And it looks ridiculous. And on August 27th, I am scheduled to teach my class because I'm an adjunct professor uh, at, at Syracuse. And I'm supposed to be there. And I have a meeting tomorrow. And I'm going to find out if I'm actually Hold going on. or wait, if wait, I'm wait. doing it on, on online. Seth, I said they can't take the degree from you when you admit to cheating. They can take that professor job yeah, away yeah. from you. Could they not? They totally I, don't, I don't know that you want to go probably, around talking about cheating off Alindo Mari anymore. Yeah. You might want to keep that on the down low, man. I don't know who Alindo Mari is. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but I agree with you. Sending, especially college kids. Uh, look, I've, I've been. I've been to college. I've been college age. You have as well. You're not the greatest decision maker at that age, especially. After you've had a few pops. And if, social if you know distancing I mean. isn't a thing. So, exactly. Social distancing, wearing a mask, making good decisions in general just really isn't a trend for most college-aged kids. So, I, yeah, I think sending kids to I think, I think having college sports come back is more reasonable than just filling an entire campus. I don't think either one should happen, but more reasonable than filling an entire college campus with kids just because of the sheer numbers of this thing, Seth. I mean, that when when you talk about the spread of COVID, that's that's ultimately what this comes down to is the sheer numbers. And the less 
people you can have around each other and coming in contact with each other, the less this thing will spread. I mean, when you boil it down to its simplest form, that's ultimately what we're talking about here is the less contact individuals can have with other individuals, the less this thing will spread. So sending thousands and thousands of kids to a college campus where they're gonna make bad decisions just doesn't seem smart to me in my relatively informed or Where'd you uninformed go to school? opinion. Where'd you go to school? I graduated from the uh, powerhouse uh, UW Parkside, Seth Everett. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't ask if you graduated. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to put you in that position if you hadn't graduated. So. I also lived in Madison for a couple of years. That's where I made most of my bad decisions before <laughs> well, I settled out. But, UW but my, my, my point being, was your uh, campus housing co-ed by dorm? Yes, my, I was co-ed by room like there were women across the hall and, and on either side of us, there were girls and right. it, there's no social distancing that happens there. No, that's not what happens in a dorm. You couldn't tell me anything about social distancing in that situation. So there's not a damn thing you could tell me about social distancing if a woman showed interest in me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like. COVID be damned. Because <laughs> it didn't happen often, all right? So if I had to risk COVID because a woman showed interest in me and I'm college-aged and those hormones are raging as strong as they're raging, I'm going to risk COVID because a woman is showing interest in me, all right? That's just going to happen. Can I tell I, – I told this story a couple of days ago on this show, um, but I hadn't told you, and I have a great college dorm story. I have a great – I want to just change the whole subject of this show. <laughs> And I have a great college dorm story. I went to the prom with this girl named Jen. And Jen went to Indiana University. And when I was in high school, I uh, I was very close to this other girl. Let's just call her Michigan because she went okay. to Michigan. All right. And we wound up, like, seeing each other for, uh, like, six years, you know, after school. And she was in Michigan. And Jen decides to come visit a mutual friend of ours on Syracuse's campus. And her, unbeknownst to me, her goal is to get back with me. And I don't know this. And I bought them. And this is another thing that's going to get me fired from teaching. They, I was avoiding them. I was not hanging out with them. And I was a freshman in college. And they asked me to meet up with them because I had a fake ID. And I could get them alcohol. So I, I'm a good guy. Are you really trying to lose the job you I'm, still I'm, have right I'm, now? I'm Carry trying. on that. And I go and I meet and she I had a game. I was, you know, I covered the Syracuse football and basketball and I had a game and I get back to my room and that girl is in my room like to just reconnect and rekindle everything. And I panic because if the girl in Michigan finds out about this, that's over before it starts. And I excuse myself and she's hammered with the alcohol that I got. <laughs> and I go across the hall. I go across the hall to call Michigan to say, just, just want you to know she's here and I'm not doing anything, but I'm just, you know, being clear here. And you do that. And she takes my roommate's robe. I remember this like like it was yesterday. And she had high heels on. Right. She had high heels and a robe and she sticks her head out and she says, where'd Seth go? And some guy in the in the doesn't realize, and he goes, "Oh, he's across the hall calling his girlfriend in Michigan," and she flips out. But th I had to give the context of the story because this woman then takes her high heeled shoe, 
and flings it at me like a boomerang in front of everybody in the dorm. She's like a Bond villain. Oh, it was the greatest. <laughs> and and it, it was like, it, it missed me like, like this. And, but everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. And my status rose because they're like, what did he do that this girl's throwing shoes right. at him? Like He's driving him crazy. I became a man of mystery. <laughs> it was the greatest moment of my freshman year. Anyways, but that's what I think about when, when I think about dorms. And I'm like, there's going to be a guy that has that moment. Someone's right. throwing a high-heeled shoe at one of those guys. Seth, here's the thing. Is most guys wouldn't even make... The- at, at that age, and given the nature of the relationship, which it doesn't sound the way was that serious yet between you and Michigan, no. most guys wouldn't have acted as responsibly as you did. Right. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. In that situation, now imagine this invisible, you know, what some people are calling harmless virus. That if you're young and you get it, it's no problem. And you're in a situation where you got Michigan waiting for you and Indiana in your room. You know what I mean? You're not you're making good decisions. It. You're doing is it. what I'm saying here, Seth. You're, you are no not way. making good decisions. And the facts, and again, we're not experts, but the facts are COVID can be in your system for 14 <coughs> days before you have any symptoms, including right. temperature or a positive test. Right. So testing every day doesn't do it. And if you have it, and now you go to class, and the guy, the wide receiver on the football team is in your class, and he cheats off you, because you're very smart, apparently, and he gets it. Now, he doesn't know he has it. He goes to practice, and there's tackling drills, and now he gave it to six people, and that's called an outbreak. Right. And, again, say, you know, when when summer practice was going on at Alabama and LSU with Ed Orgeron and – I can't do an Ed Orgeron imitation, but Ed Orgeron, who thinks football belongs because that's American, they're all doing that, and they're suggesting it, and they're putting these kids in harm's way. And you cannot say they're not in harm's way if they get it. Because even if they get it, the Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals got it. He's back. He's hitting 444. Is he okay? You don't know. And here's the thing. I... Like I said before, I almost expect college coaches to stubbornly insist that they want this season to happen and America needs football. Like, I've come to expect that from coaches. And I, I hear the kids who are saying, we want to play. You got the hashtag now, we want to play. A bunch of college football players and college athletes jumping in on that. I get that. And I respect that. And I admire that. You know what I mean? Like, I talk about this all the time that people just think, you're born a, a professional athlete, that you're born with these physical skills and these natural abilities, and you just grow into it and it just happens for you. Part of what makes even the lowest level of professional athlete the level of athlete that they are is a little bit of craziness and a little bit of delusion and a little bit of that single-minded focus of this is all I care about. So I expect that from coaches, I expect that from players, and on some level, I admire it. Here's the other thing about their opinions on whether or not they should play. I don't care. Like, I don't care. The only people whose opinion matters to me on this is scientists, doctors, and infectious disease experts. Those are the people who should be informing the decision makers, and those are the people who should ultimately be providing the information 
that those decision makers finally make their decisions upon. The, the opinion of Ed Orgeron, the opinion of Nick Saban, the opinion of Jim Harbaugh, and the opinion of any college athlete simply does not matter when we talk about whether or not college sports should be played right now. Because they don't know. They don't know. They don't have the information and the science and the data and the facts to really make that decision or have a real educated opinion on it. And if anything, they're the last people who I want to hear from because they have a stake in the game. They have a dog in the fight. And of course they want to play. And of course it shouldn't matter. What, um, what do you think happens? Not what should happen. What do you think happens? I think um, because I just follow the money, Seth, they will try to put together some kind of, of college football season or fall sports season and we'll have an outbreak and they'll have to shut it down and they'll they'll look like asses but they'll try and place the blame somewhere else like they've done until now i mean i saw danny cannell tweet a few days ago seth i don't know if you know danny cannell or not i don't know him i know him from a whole i know who he wall. is um he tweeted something to the effect of you know, a lot of people in the media don't want college football to happen. And they're right. the oh, reason yeah, that yeah. this is this that is, this that, is that, happening. That's like, nonsense, too. Like, like we're soothsayers. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, we have the power to make something not happen. No, what people in the media have been saying for a long time now is this is going to be very hard to pull off. And you don't seem to really have a plan to even pull it off. So we don't think it's going to happen. And ultimately, it's looking like we'll be right, but somehow it's our fault that we're right and not just, hey, you guys were right and we probably should have listened a long time ago. But is it literally like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to say no, the SEC is going to say yes, and the ACC is going to be on the fence? Like is that – is and the Big I 12? Uh, is, I, is, is that really – is that really what – I mean, I am so – I'm just tired of the fracturing. The word fracture bothers me. We're fractured about everything. We, we can't, no one can agree on goddamn anything, and it's driving me nuts. But if, I mean, if it's unfortunate that it happened the way that it happened, Seth, but I'm a guy who looks for the silver linings, and there have been silver linings from what we've gone through here over the last six months in this country and around the world. And if one of those silver linings is that, the NCAA comes crumbling down or, or is weakened and players are empowered. I say, God bless, man. I say, I say, sure. I say that's, that's a really, that's a really, really good thing that could come out of this because we have seen, like I said, you have the, we want to play group and I respect them and I understand why they want to play, but you've also had a lot of players in, in a few of these really prominent conferences banding together and making demands and saying, Hey, if you want us to put ourselves on the line for this, Here's what we're going to need in return. And that that's, I mean, that's, that's something that college football and college sports has needed for a long time is for these athletes to take some of the power back and, and take some of their fate into their own hands. And, and if that comes out of this, then, then I say, great. I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, I really am. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh-oh. Uh, you just froze on my you screen. Froze. So. You're the frozen oh, one. There you go. You're freezing, not us. <laughs> We're fine. You there? Oh, no. No, now you're back. I think my internet is struggling. There no, we back. are. You got me? Okay. Yeah, you're, you're back. Right. You're back? All right. You're back. I'm back. 
The late, um, great uh, Daryl Hamilton used to say when we were working at MLB Radio together and his line would cut out for a little bit and he would come back and the audience wouldn't know that he's back, but I would hear a click in my headphones so I knew he was back. And so I would tee him up and he would click back and he would go out of nowhere, like in the middle of the conversation, I'd be filling, I'd be like giving tonight's schedule or something. And all of a sudden, Daryl would come back and he would just go. And those are the people I know did steroids and I'm not telling you again. (laughs) (laughs) And some listener would be like, wait a minute, he cut out. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. And no one would know. No, no, no one, no one would, would know. I don't know. I, I just think, I just think, like I said, I'm just tired of the, the, I, I would love for college football to show me how they're going to keep everybody safe. I would just show me and you can, you can do it. At least the NFL has done a yeoman's job. Possible. I Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, no, I you, you froze again. Um, my, my point being oh. is that I love the way the NHL is going, and I love the way the NBA is going. And I know it's not feasible for football, and I've never said it was. I'm not losing sight of reality here. But when I watch a game, and there's games all goddamn day, all day in, in, in Orlando and up in Canada with the hockey, and the hockey playoffs have been so good. And all of these things are going on. And when I'm watching those sports – I'm not thinking about COVID. I watched the Clippers the other night. Lou Williams is there, and I wasn't even thinking about COVID or wasn't even thinking about him and his strip club. Like, I, I wasn't caring. <laughs> and But in baseball, I'm constantly He was there for thinking. the wings, Seth. He was there for the wings. Uh-huh. And, and, but when it's baseball, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how none of the players who were told, if you're not in the game, you're supposed to sit behind the dugout in those tented areas in the in the stands and nobody sits there no one sits there and they all high five each other they're all spitting all over the place they're all doing everything like normal and no one's enforcing it and that's all i see when i watch the games i turn on a baseball game and i'm like that's happening that's happening that's happening that's happening but if i turn on a hockey game i don't say anything Seth, about that. Did, did you hear what happened with the royal with the uh with the cleveland indians the latest development oh, with yeah, that the, the two guys, the two guys. So yeah, you had, you had Kyle Drayback who he, he tested positive after he went out for a night on the town in Chicago last Saturday night. And then Clevenger gets up in a Plesak, team meeting. Not Drayback. I'm sorry. What was that? It's Plesak. Oh, Plesak. I'm sorry. I get my, uh, I know, former MLB your 80s pitchers pitch, you got your 80s exactly. pitchers mixed up. Exactly. And then Clevenger gets up at a team meeting and defends him and says, guys, what he did wasn't so bad. Gets on a team flight back to Cleveland and then admits after the flight lands. He was at dinner. Yeah, I I was out with him too. And this goes back to what we were saying about college-age kids not making the greatest decisions. Look, who could blame a 21-year-old pro athlete who just had a great night is in Chicago where bars are open and wanting to go out and enjoy his 20-year-old, I just kicked ass on a major league baseball field life. That's what we all, like 99% of us would want to do, Seth. And most of us would make that decision even in the COVID age. That's what a bubble does. And that's why we're saying they need to construct Football Island is it takes away the opportunity or at least minimizes the opportunity 
to even make bad decisions. You know what I mean? Totally. When you have a clubhouse full of guys who are on the road for a few nights a week, who are back in their hometowns where they have a key to the city and can go anywhere they want and do anything they want for a few nights a week, you really expect a clubhouse full of guys and everybody else involved in a baseball organization to follow all the rules and make all the right decisions all the time. And all it takes is one guy to not make the right decision, bring it back into a clubhouse. And suddenly we have with what's going on with the Marlins or what's going on with the Cardinals. I, I, I can't see how it doesn't happen. Uh, and baseball is funny because it's, it's being half reported and, and I'm surprised because I, I, I think it's, it's just, it's become, it's all about Twitter and, 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 clicks and all this nonsense but you know baseball wanted to have a bubble in the beginning baseball said we'd like right. to have a bubble right and the players were like for five months no freaking way and we're not doing it and i said what my proposal was and i said this in april i told you this i've said it on this show i've said it on my podcast i've said it on any goddamn radio show i've been on my original proposal in april and i didn't know where the hot spots were because i was living in one i was in new jersey and my proposal was Florida and Arizona split the leagues up, forget the American and National League, do Grapefruit League and Cactus League, yeah. and do it in September, October, November, play 81 games in 90 days, and have your playoffs and your World Series in December. And people were like, December? Yes, because that's when the weather in Florida and Arizona is livable, not when it's 130 degrees forget covid you'd have players melting and right. so that was my thing and the baseball the union was like we're the boys of summer not the boys of fall and i was like but we're in a pandemic who gives a crap yeah and cares? the league had wanted nothing to do with it and when they said they were going to home ballparks i said well that's hodgepodge and yeah. to tory hunter was on this twitch channel and tory hunter had the line I said, do you think the players will respect the quarantine rules? And he said, quarantine? Half the clubhouse is on, Twinder, tw uh, is on Tinder during the national anthem. And he said, <laughs> Except, I, I, I would have I gone with any bubble plan that Major League Baseball came up with. Because like I said, I think that's the only way that you can almost foolproof this whole thing and seal it up and, and prevent something like what we have going on with the Cardinals and the Marlins. But I also understand why the players didn't want to spend three or four months in a bubble away from their families and all the other struggles that come with living in a bubble. So once you come to that conclusion, once the, once the players make that stance and say, well, we're not doing this bubble thing, what Rob Manfred has to do at that point, Seth, is, is construct the schedule in a way that you leave wiggle room, that you leave breathing room to make up games because like I said, when you have 30 ball clubs, you have 60 guys between the, the pro team and, and the taxi squad that they're running, all needing to make the right decisions, everybody else around the team needing to make the right decisions and everybody in the households of every single person that I just mentioned all making the right decisions because they could bring it back home, give it to somebody who works for the club, they bring it back to the club and now you have, you have it spreading through an organization. You needed to leave days and gaps in the schedule for an outbreak like what you had with the Marlins, like what you had with the Cardinals, where you can make up these games. Because I think the number now, Seth, is the Cardinals need to make up 52 games in 45 days. I might be slightly off on that, but I think that's, I think that's where we're at. The Cardinals need to play 
52 games in 45 days. And that's not just unfair to the Cardinals. That's unfair to whoever they're going to have to play over the course of that, because those teams are also going to have to play double headers and, and grind out their bullpens and everything else that goes into cramming a large number of baseball games into a small number of days. Maybe, maybe he should have just left a week between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs and say, we'll make up any games that we might need to make up because of an outbreak and a spread in, in that window that we have there to cram the, the 60 games into the schedule that they did. It was never really realistic, or at least the only realistic possibility is what they're doing now, which is trying to make up all these games and you have seven inning double headers and everything else. You had to foresee that there would be COVID related problems and leave yourself some breathing room in the schedule to get these games in. Well, my whole thing with, with, with the, with the, the, with the issues with the games, would you tell a team and I'm, I'm for this. Would you tell the Cardinals just, you're not playing anymore. I would just go home. Yes. Would you have done it to the Marlins? Yeah, probably. I mean, and the Marlins would say, what are you doing? We're like, we're, we're, we're doing great. Not as a punishment, Seth, but just, just the feasibility of it. Like I was saying, asking, asking the players on the Cardinals and asking the players on the Marlins to try and play that many games is, is, is not really, is not really fair. And it's probably not healthy for those guys. And like I said, asking the other teams who they're going to have to, who they're going to have to play on those days, who are also going to have to cram games into the schedule. It's not really fair to them. I wouldn't even look at it as a, as a punishment of those teams as much as I just would a, a logistical feasibility. Can we do this? And if, and if you can't, without really changing the game too much or changing the, the competitive balance or the playing field too much, then you just got to look at those teams and say, hey, man, this sucks. And this is a weird year. This is, I know this is a very weird thing to do, a very strange and unprecedented thing to do. But these are strange and unprecedented times that we live in. This is a strange and unprecedented season that we're playing. So, yeah, I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. Seth. I, I'll even go as far as to say, I hate a seven inning double header. Can't stand it. I hate it with every fiber of my being. It bothers you? It does. But at the same time, I understand why they're doing it because of the situation that they put themselves in. This goes back to what we were saying before and that this is a new and unprecedented things. Circumstances are constantly changing and you have to change accordingly. Yeah, but my argument to that is... I the seven inning doubleheader it doesn't bother me that much. Oh, I um, hate it. Oh, it, it, it that crowds the fake crowd sound makes is is more annoying to me than seven inning doubleheader. I have to say some of the fake crowd noise has been outstanding. Oh, has been I, top I, I think it's been brutal. Have you, have you watched a game at the Great American Ballpark, the Reds home ballpark? And I, I probably. Whoever is doing the in-house sound for the Cincinnati Reds is a, a freaking maestro dude like if if it wasn't for the empty seats you wouldn't even know they have all sorts of little touches and details and chants and people hollering things from the crowd that make it they really put a few little touches i'll pay more attention i'll pay more attention i i see i've been to ballparks and i've been there at like two in the afternoon for a seven o'clock game and i know what that ballpark sounds like empty and i think it's charming Oh, so do I. I, so do I like I. the empty ballpark. I, I, 
I don't want it. I don't want boom mics over the dugouts. Like, I don't need to hear everything these gimme-ems are saying, especially when the Astros are playing. But I don't want I, – I, I don't like the crowd sound. I, 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 I love the cardboard fan. I love my joke about it. Oakland. You could totally use this. Um, the Oakland – so the Oakland A's put teddy bears – like oh, I saw that. full-size yeah. teddy bears all over the stands. And there's a photo. And, you know, for the amount of time I've used this joke, and I haven't looked up who that player was, but there's a guy from the Angels that is going for a fly ball up against the, f- the left field foul line, and he has to reach into the stands to get it. And in, all there are are a bunch of teddy bears in the background. <laughs> and somebody says to me on – I was on Fox Sports Radio, and they, somebody said to me, and he said <laughs> – you know, if there were fans there, there that had been interfered with. And I said, actually, if there were fans there, those seats would be empty because Oakland <laughs> doesn't sell those tickets. And, and I was like, why would you put the teddy bears there? Put them where the fans actually go. And, and that was, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. That, that's been my favorite. That's been my easily my favorite uh, image of the whole, of the whole thing. Um, sure. I don't the my favorite press release was when the Mets put out a press release saying they didn't know where Ioannis Cespedes was and two teammates knew where he was. <laughs> that's amazing to me. <laughs> that's the most Mets thing. It's it's just that's, Mets. It's it, it's a very so, Mets thing it's to do. So Mets. Sure. And yeah. my joke, you know, cuz my I, I hate uh their owner with a passion, Jeff Wilpon. I hate him with a fiery passion. I never got along with him when I worked there, and I hated it. And I remember being asked by NBC Sports Radio to go to the 2015 World Series and at City Field. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to this place. All right, well, it's the World Series. There's 50,000 people there. I won't see them. And as soon as I walked in, I sure saw enough. that God First dude you saw, right? Face. And so now people are like, and I talked to a guy in the in the New York media, and he's like, "Have you gone to a game yet?" And I have the link. I could go to a game. Like I could get a credential and go to a game. And I'm like, "No, I, I have no interest whatsoever in going to the ballpark." And I feel really weird about going. And my, my friend was like, "You know, we left. He's a TV anchor, and he left to go shoot his live shot outside the ballpark, and they wouldn't let him back in." <laughs> what? Because the COVID rules are, if you leave the facility, you can't oh, come back in. Yeah, that makes sense. And, <laughs> that makes sense. And he's like, he's like, oh, it's trippy. You got to go see it. And I'm like, I do. I, I don't. I, <laughs> I don't think I do. I I'm feel good. really weird. I, 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 I don't know. And the Jets, you know, because I'm covering the Jets for Sports Illustrated, and we got on their uh, distribution list for their Zooms. So now we interview the players over Zoom. And it's fine. I mean, it's 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 fine. It's just you don't get any one on ones. Right. And no one does. And if you've been there for a long time and you have relationships with players, I guess you could call them. But I'm new and I don't know any of these guys. And I just watch the zooms and it's 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 a weird feeling. But the guy said to me uh, and their media relations people are wonderful and they, they were very nice. And I've known them for 20 years. I actually met my wife because of the Jets and. Uh, Jared, the, the PR guy, he's been there that long. So he knows my wife at, by her maiden name. Like, he knows her <laughs> for 20 years. 
And he was there the day that I met her. And so I have this history with him. And he says to us in this meeting, he says, just so you know, no one's coming near the facility. And I just was like, okay, <laughs> like, no yeah, problem. Right. Like, I'm I don't, don't want to go to the facility. I don't want to go. No. And, and I don't have I don't care about games. I will sit at this chair right here and watch the games on this screen right here. And I'll write whatever the hell you goddamn want me to write. Right. But I ain't going to. What do I want to go to MetLife Stadium for? What's, no. what's Seth, there? I'm not, Seth. And I don't care what happens. I just said, trust the scientists, trust the doctors, trust the infectious disease experts. If they said tomorrow, hey, everybody, everything's cool. Everything's, everybody can go back to normal, go to movie theaters, go to baseball games, go, go do whatever you want. Go live your life. I'm not going in any large crowds until there's a vaccine. That's where I'm at. That's my own personal choice, my own personal decision for my health and the health of people around me. That's how cautious I'm playing this thing today. See, if I'm a little you ask me today, if you ask me today, when will you be comfortable going back into a stadium full of people? My answer is when there is a vaccine. See, I'm a little different in that. Um, well, okay. If you're asking about a stadium, I don't have no I have no interest in going to anything like that. Um, what I think is New Jersey and. Europe has also shown this. New Jersey did the shutdown right. They shut down everything. And we were stuck in our house. We didn't go anywhere. And there was it was such a hot spot. And I told you this when you were doing that show in, in Minnesota. Yeah. The two houses down, a husband and wife had it. They're fine now. Uh, across the street, the guy had it. And if you go down here and make a left, there's um, a hospital. And they had about 800 to 1,000 cases every day. Jesus. Every day. It was co – and, and, and I remember going on the radio in Denver, which is so funny because now Colorado is a hot spot. Right. And I went on the air in Denver, and the people on Twitter were calling me a coward because I was like, sports shouldn't happen. Like, what are you, crazy? Like, right. nothing should happen. And I remember – and all those people I invited because <laughs> I said – Walk around because the weather was starting to get nice. It was April, you know, and I said, take a walk around my block because my block's a circle and come take a walk around my block. Hug everybody you come into contact with. You will have COVID in three days. Yeah, you'll have it's it. inevitable. You, you can't. You, but now we're low. We're, our hospitalizations are like under 400 out of nine million people like the, that. That's beating it. And that's not a vaccine. And if you told me we are forbidding any people from coming into New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but you build a wall. Seth. If you build a wall and you make Mexico pay for it. <laughs> you make Mexico pay for it. But if make you, New if York you had a wall for it. and I'm telling you, like, like circle New Jersey, you can't like with our numbers the way they are now. Keep it like that, and nobody comes in or out of New Jersey. I'd go to Giant Stadium. That I do, but they can't do that. And there was a story in our town. Um, this young family, when when New Jersey was in the pandemic, like the hate of it, they went to Florida to stay at their grandmother's. This family of four: husband, wife, and two kids. And the the one kid is a senior in high school or just graduated. 
right? So that mm-hmm. that's you're 17, 18. And they went down to Florida for like six weeks. And now Florida's turning into the hot spot. So they came back up here. And on July 3rd, they landed here. And you're supposed to quarantine for 14 days. And that girl was seen on at three separate July 4th parties. And in my town, they freaked the frick out. Like, whoa. And that became a big deal. That became a big thing. And lo and behold, uh, people got it. She spread it. And they wanted to prosecute against the parents because they didn't follow the governor's rule. And what I'm saying is... Never once did I say anything about a vaccine. But if we followed the rules, get the rules followed, I think we can have normalcy. And the reason I say I'm waiting for a vaccine is because I just don't, you don't think there's any chance of that. I've, I've, I've come to the point, Seth, where I've given up on, on the general population acting in the numbers that we need to act in a manner that gets us to that point. You know what I mean? I and I'm not saying that everybody out there is is not doing what they should be doing or doing what they should not be doing. But it, it like I like I said before, it doesn't take a lot of people to screw this thing up and to throw a wrench into the whole plan. You know what I mean? I mean the 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 greatest plans are blown up by just the simplest things. And I'm I'm at a point now where I've lost faith in in the general population to do the right thing in the numbers that we need people to be doing the right thing for us to get to that point where i feel comfortable and safe and secure that we're we're safe from this thing and from spreading this thing without a vaccine but again i said this earlier my opinion on that could change tomorrow man that's that's the whole thing about this is every day you get up and because it's a new it's a it's a it's a new vaccine it's a new situation that we're all in when we talk about quarantining and isolation and separation and everything all the struggles that go in with that you just got to wake up every day and see where we're at and react accordingly if you like i said you ask me today how i feel about going into a stadium full of people i say not a chance in hell without a vaccine who knows maybe humanity maybe maybe they win my faith back and we really turn the tide on this thing and america really bands together and we all do what we need to do to make this thing kind of go away or at least get it under control but today as i sit here talking with you seth i don't i don't have that faith i i just don't uh this story just came out uh while we were talking um, Ooh, breaking news it's not really no oh. i I, I, and I want to get the like the breaking news sounder. You need a breaking news I, I sounder. A sounder, yeah. One thing we haven't figured out on Zoom is anything I play for the viewers, I don't play for you. You don't hear. <laughs> and so I wanted to play a That's clip that. from Dino Babers yesterday, the coach at Syracuse. And I was like, well, Latan can't hear it, so what's the point? <laughs> it's just joking. Yeah, that's out. not ideal. So it's not, it's, I got to figure that part out. Um, Dr. Cameron Wolf, who is the Duke. Infectious disease specialist. Okay, I'm listening. Told Sports Business Daily that doctors have learned enough over the past six months to manage the risk. We believe we can mitigate it down to a level that makes everyone safe. Can we safely have two teams meet on the field? I would say yes. Will it be tough? Yes. Will it be expensive and hard and lots of work? For sure. But I do believe you can sufficiently mitigate the risk of bringing COVID onto the football field 
or in the training room at a level that's no different than living as a student on campus. I'd need to hear the plan. What's, and but I, he doesn't give the detail. That's what I'm saying. I'd need to hear the details of the plan and what exactly goes into it. And like, I'm, like you said, there, there's a lot of things you would have to do. There's a lot of resources you'd have to put into it where I'm sure you could devise a plan where what he's saying is true. I need to see exactly what, what the plan is that, that he's talking about. But I said before, Seth, let me know what doctors, scientists, and infectious disease experts have to say about the feasibility of playing college sports or any, any contact sport if you want to take it up to the level of the NFL. And if they say it can be done and they lay out a plan showing us how it can be done, let's do this, man. Let's do it. I want to get back to normalcy. Hell, I want to get back to having a job as soon as possible, Seth. And the more sports that are being played, the better chance I have of landing that job. So yeah, if we can do it, let's do it, man. But if we can't, and even if that means that I have to keep pulling my hair out over here and uh. filling my days with yoga routines and, and walking my dog to get this thing under control, let's do that too. Let's do whatever we got to do been to doing? save the... Huh? Yeah, yep. it's been, been uh, doing yoga. It's been a summer of self-care is what I'm calling it, Seth. <laughs> Well, you you got yourself a haircut. I know that you don't look well, like I trimmed a terrorist the beard. anymore. I did trim the beard. You don't look. Like, a... Yeah, you don't look like. Um, what was the line? You were, you look like a Nicholas Brody from Homeland when he was, <laughs> was covered. That was who you looked like. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I had to cut it well, down. I had to this, trim it down. This is that doctor again. He says you can't tell me that running onto a football field is supposed to be a zero risk environment. Look at all of the regular sporting injuries that we accept at okay, a certain see, level. This is where this is where they lost me. Right there is where they lost me, Seth, because yes, a football player can go out onto a field and tear an ACL. They don't go home and tear their mom's ACL too. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is not that's not assuming the same risk that a football player assumes when they step out onto the field. So this person, even though they have, I'm sure, MD after their name or doctor before their name and their title is infectious disease, disease expert, they just discredited themselves with that point right there don't tell me football players assume risk so why shouldn't they assume the risk of COVID-19 that is a, a baseless and really ridiculous and stupid argument right there but that's the ACC but that's that's this is supposedly what this doctor told the ACC commissioner and the league athletic directors and that's why right now they are planning to go and For the Dumbest arguments people make with during this whole thing. Okay, he says he says um, he says certain level of risk is part of parcel in football. Now the reality is we have to accept a little bit of COVID risk to be a part of that. Hold on, that's ridiculous. Hold, hold on. Now, the 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 story, and this is another quote from the president of Florida State. I just scared my dog with how angry I got at that. You got, last yeah, comment. you got pretty yeah. riled up. Sorry. This is um, one specific area of concern. Is this myocarditis? Arditis? Let's just call it heart damage. The heart damage. It's inflammation yeah. of the heart muscle uh, linked to corona. Uh, and the, here's the Florida State president. Where's Florida State? Tallahassee? This is Tallahassee? Yes. Yeah. There's one new issue that came out. Can I? <laughs> do I sound like this? <laughs> and that was from a physician, apparently, that represents the NC2A. Uh, about myocarditis and the potential impact that would have as a result of COVID. 
that seemed to get a lot of attention nationally, and it caused a lot of the other conferences to say, let's take a step back. Let's review where we are. We did agree we needed to look at the medical aspects again just one more time. (laughs) Just one more time. To make sure our protocols, the other team's protocols, are in place. We've been doing that, and we'll probably have another meeting this week, the presidents of the ACC. God bless these people. Like, wow. Wow. It's, it, and I, I'm, not, I'm not breaking any new ground or shocking anybody by saying this. It all comes back to the money, Seth. This all comes back to the money. These people want that sweet, sweet college football money that funds ESPN money. so much beyond just college football. I mean, you're hearing that schools, and I don't know that I believe this because I think the NCAA cooks the books and tries to cry poor when they're raking in literally billions and billions of dollars on these sports. But we're hearing some schools say, hey, man, if we don't have college football this year, we rely so heavily on that money that we might just have to shut down our sports program altogether because they fund women's volleyball and men's baseball and softball and soccer and blah, blah, blah. All these sports that, that, that don't turn a profit, we need college football to fund those sports. So with that, I mean, I don't even – that doesn't a I don't believe you because you have more money than God when you're the NCAA and there's a way to find out how to fund these other sports. Maybe Nick Saban takes a pay cut. Whoa, how about that? Um, but a I don't believe you and b I don't care, man. I don't care. When we're talking about saving lives, every life that can possibly be saved, we're talking about saving lives and what these dudes could do in terms of spreading it outside of their little world that they live in of college football. I don't care. I don't care what the repercussions are of not having a college football season when we're talking about people dying. We're talking about people dying. I mean, when did lives become expendable for sports? That's crazy. Just, just for sports. Just for sports. And I, you know, I know you and I are are connected on uh, on Facebook, but I posted the Jim Beheim comments, and that's what started this whole conversation. and I just want to read you some of the comments. This is, and it's just funny the way it goes. Uh, Mike writes, I'm a big Bayheim fan, and I think he's been vastly underappreciated throughout his career, but these comments are terribly disappointing. Stuart writes, I agree with him. I said, do you agree with Mike? Because I'm funny. And he says, no, I agree with Bayheim." And I went, oh, my goodness. And Kurt writes, me too. The Corona brothers want to cancel everything. Thankfully, yes. big-time players and coaches are pushing back. Yeah, we want to cancel everything. I don't want sports. I mean, that we've just gotten to a point where people don't even check to see if their opinions make sense before they spout them off. Seth, why would I want football or any other sport to get canceled? Like, let's look at what you and I do for a living. Well, what I did for a living before I was laid off three months ago. How, how in the hell does it benefit you, me, or anybody else who cares about sports from the lowest level to the highest level where our livelihood depends on it? How in the hell, why in the hell would we want sports to be canceled, man? Just think about whether or not these motives that you're putting on us even make sense before you make these ridiculous and stupid accusations that we want sports, that we're all conspiring to have sports canceled. For what reason, man? Why? 
The first thing a detective looks for when trying to solve a crime is the motive. We have no motive to want to cancel sports. You just sound ridiculous when you say stuff like that. It's 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 pretty amazing, right? Like it, it's, it's embarrassing. Pretty... Whoever wrote that should be should read it back and be like, "Wow, am I an ass? How am I? How did I get to this point of being this much of an ass?" You want more? You want more? Sure. Uh, Lee says, "Stupid is stupid, no matter who." And that's a reaction because Beheim is a Hall of Famer. Um, Chris uh, writes, under 25, nobody's dying. News to all the parents of people under 25 who have died. Dare I say, stick to sports, Jim. And then some guy. Uh, a, that's not true. People under 25 have died. B, we don't know the long-term effects of this. Of we're just talking about right. the lasting know. effect that it can have on the heart and the lungs. And C, we're talking about whether or not these guys take it catch it not know they caught it because of the two to 14 day incubation period that you talked about Seth and bring it to their dorms bring it to their homes if they live with their parents or their grandparents and just spreading this thing if they go to a grocery store or go out and do the things that we all do in our day-to-day lives that's what we're talking yes their risk and from what we know and there's a lot we don't know their risk is relatively low but all the other ramifications the ripple effect of this thing is 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 what we talk about when we say it's just not feasible to play college zero, sports, right. especially college football right now. So Chris is an NBC News correspondent, right? So I wrote to him and I said, I mean, you deal with this more than me, but I can't get over how fractured and uninformed people are. And they're making awful statements that are people are blindly uh, following blindly. By the way, your reports have been really good. The ones I see, you know, I'd give my guy a pop, you know, try to try to do a sure. nice thing. Chris says, thanks. It means a lot. Many Americans, for whatever reason, are widely susceptible to believing misinformation, skeptical of science, and prone to putting their individual desires over what's best for society. It's a fatal combination. These coaches might not be wrong that having players inside a system is safer than having them at home. But saying false things like people under 25 don't die and failing to acknowledge that infected players could spread the virus to vulnerable classmates or family members doesn't lend credence to their opinions. So now here's this guy, Craig. And I don't know this dude, right? I don't, I got to weed out my Facebook, man. He says, fractured and uninformed. Just get uh, off Facebook. No, no, no. But, but, no, no, but you're seeing, <laughs> but you're seeing, I'm not reading this for my edification. Right. Like this right. is, this is exactly this debate. And Craig says, says fractured and uninformed. I have a damned master's degree. I'm pretty damned informed, Seth, and if I disagree with your assessment of the situation, I am no less informed. The elitism is rank on this page. I will say one thing. It's not that he's uninformed. He's misinformed. I don't know where he's getting his news and information from, but they're feeding him false information. When, when he says that nobody under 25 dies, simply not true. He's also neglecting the, the fact of the p- potential long-term effects of the coronavirus. So I wouldn't say he's uninformed. It sounds like he's got some information. It just happens to all be wrong. That's crazy. This is, this is wild. I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It goes and on is, and on and on. It's, this it's, is why, Seth, this is why, this is why I said I'm not, going, I'm not going into a largely populated public space until there's a vaccine because it only takes – can I swear on here? Can I, yeah. can I curse? Okay. Yeah, they encourage a, it actually. It, it only takes a few of those assholes. Right. You know what I mean? It only takes a few of those assholes 
to fuck it up for the rest of us. Right. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take a lot, man. You know, a, a term we keep hearing and we hear it more as it relates to police brutality and systemic racism is it's just a few bad apples, guys. It's just a yeah. few bad apples. But the rest of that few bad apples spoils the bunch. That's that's that whole saying. If you go and look for that saying, a few bad apples spoils the bunch. And if you if if you you know, take that saying and apply it to what we're talking about with coronavirus. Just a few bad apples, even if we have spreads the, it all over <laughs> the best, most foolproof plan, a few bad apples will ruin the whole bunch, Seth. That's why I'm not going anywhere until there's a vaccine because there are assholes like, was it Chris? There are assholes like Chris out there who are going to screw this thing up for all of us, dude. Until we have a vaccine, we're not safe from Chris. That's it's it's just it's it's uncanny. Like I'm it's reading maddening. this, it's unbelievable. It's well, maddening a, a, as you read it, and it drives me bananas. And remember, this started with a doctor. That guy's a doctor, right? What? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. But Chris has a master's degree. He didn't say in what, but he has a master's degree. So I'm sure it applies to what we're talking about here. Uh, Andrew writes in the chat room. He says, when did lives become expendable for sports? I believe the Mayans preceded the Romans on that front. <laughs> Fair point. That's pretty good. You, know you win. You he's win. got a point. He's got, when you're right, you're right. And he's got, he's right. Okay. I can't, I can't even argue with that. And I, I don't, I, I, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And college football just shows you what this country is. And the thing about yesterday, and I, I keep going back to that Berlin bubble because I think it's so smart, is I think of Italy. And Jack Nichols, who was on this show, and the clip is available, and the clip is great, and Jack's outstanding. And he, Jack said in Italy, because his good friend is Italian and lives in Italy, and they, they made it so that you had to get special permissions through the Internet put on your ID. So, like, imagine your driver's license, and, like, if you had a dog, you had to apply for permission to take your dog outside. That's a lockdown. Yeah. And, and they could go, and if a police officer stopped you because you were loitering outside, you could show them your, your ID, and they would scan it. And if you were standing out there saying you were walking a dog and you don't have that authorized, you get, like, punished. And... That's how you beat it, and th that's where I think we're all going. And, and Seth, that, that's my prediction is, is that's what's going to happen in January. When, when COVID first – well, not when it first hit the U.S., but when we first realized what it was and the seriousness of this whole thing, I read an article uh, about how South Korea sort of corralled it and flattened the curve and, and kind of contained this thing so quickly. And it was, it was based on three – principles of South Korean society. And one was uh, putting people before profits. That has more to do with government policies, corporate policies in terms of making people go to work, uh, workplace parameters, rules, etc. Selflessness, and that's more just personal decisions of, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to do what I can to protect other people. And even if that means sacrificing some of my own liberties and rights, whatever the case might be, I'm going to sacrifice some of that for the greater good. And the third thing was a belief in science. Like those three things, putting people before profits, selflessness, and a belief in science 
is why South Korea was able to flatten the curve so quickly. So quick. And when I read that, Seth, I looked at that and I said, we here in the United States are screwed because we're greedy, we're selfish, and we're stupid. And we're stupid. <laughs> that, that, that was, I knew it, man. I knew it right then when I read that article. I knew it. I knew that we were not in a good place if those are the three things that we need to depend on to, to, to wrap our arms around this thing. That's crazy. Um, I can't believe the president went on Fox Sports Radio. Of the United States? He, he did? Yeah, this morning, when? 8 o'clock, uh, Trump went on uh, What's-His-Face's show, uh, Clay Travis. Oh, that doesn't shock me at all. No, of course not. <laughs> but right. um, and people were live-tweeting it, and I, it makes me laugh. And the, the weird part about it is that's a show – I hosted once. <laughs> Look, I've hosted that morning show, and to think that that's where it's gone is just shocking to me. Um, Trump said in the interview uh, it would be a tragic mistake if the sport is not played, if college football is not pay- played. These football players are very young, strong people. <laughs> I like the way he says people. Uh, and physically, I mean, they're physically in extraordinary shape, so they're not going to have a problem. You're not going to see people, you know, could there be, could it happen? But I doubt it. So I think football is making a tragic mistake. I'm not sh- He's in favor of the sport being played with fans in the stands. With fans in the stands. I'm not <laughs> sure college football can do it, but we'll have to see. What? What? He talked what? about his desire to see the NFL season begin but with a caveat that's not related to the global pandemic. Oh, my God. No kneeling, right? No kneeling. That's what he's worried about. Here we go. No kneeling. They want to open, and they want to open badly, and they've been working with government. I would say this. If they don't stand for the national anthem, if they don't stand for that national anthem, I hope they don't open. But other than that, I'd love to see them open, and we're doing everything possible for getting them open. They can protest in other ways. They shouldn't protest our flag or our country. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm going to stay away from that. So oh, you, he goes uh, on. You want more? Everything he, all I'll say is so far, everything he's said is wrong. You want, you want more? That, that's, that's my stance. Everything sports. He went that you just said right there is wrong. He's he wrong. Says, he says uh, about basketball. You know, what's the real tragic mistake? You know, he talks about it would be a tragic mistake if college football wasn't played this year. The tragic mistake is that the United States is about 5% of the population of the earth and about 20% of the people who have died from coronavirus. That's, that's a tragic mistake. Not playing college football kind of sucks. People dying when they don't need to die is a tragic mistake. All right, you want more? Because I like riling him up. Yeah. Uh, I think it's been horrible for basketball. Look at the basketball ratings. They're down to very low numbers. Very, very low numbers. People are angry about it. They don't realize that. They don't want, they have enough politics with guys like me. They don't need more as they're driving down, going up for the shot. They don't need it. There was a nastiness about the NBA, the way it was done, too. So I think that the NBA is in trouble. I think it's in big trouble. Uh, Bigger trouble than they understand. Ice ho- and frankly, ice hockey, which is doing very well, they didn't do that. They respected yes, they did. Morris. Yes, they, they totally did. did. They totally they did. They totally did. They respected what they are supposed to be doing, and they're actually doing very well, as I understand it. 
They also said F you to the country by moving their bubbles, which were originally in Columbus, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Las Vegas, and they moved them to Toronto and Edmonton. And that's a big F you right to the, the government. I don't even know, Seth. I don't even know, man. I don't know. I mean, nastiness? This dude is talking about nastiness? All right, this the dude, last one. The last one. He, last one. One more. One more. One more. I'm skipping two. I'm skipping two. Oh, my God. The last one. Why'd you do this to me? Why'd you do this to my day? <laughs> what, what did I do to you? One Seth? of the loudest voices against Trump from within the NBA has been LeBron James. Trump didn't mention James. He was asked if he thought the Lakers star was better than Michael Jordan. He says, well, I've seen them both. Michael Jordan is the better player. Plus, well, he wasn't political, so people liked him better. I mean, Jordan was the better player. I finally found something that I agree with this but dude not about. because of po- politics. But, no, Michael Jordan was the better player. All right? I'll give him that. Um, wow. Has, has nothing to do with whether or not he was political or not. But, yeah, MJ was the better player. Hey, all right. Change we the found subject. common change, ground. Change the, change the subject. I, I, I had to do it. It was. I saw it, and I made me laugh, and I had to do it. But you know, Seth, you turned it around at the end. I say, no matter who you are, no matter how different we are, no matter what disagreements or, or differences we have, let's find common ground. And if that common ground is MJ is better than LeBron, right. so be it. But we I have like, found common I like ground. LeBron James a lot. I like LeBron. I love James. LeBron James. I, I, I think he's. I think he's incredibly smart. And I love his um, the shut up and dribble, the history of activism in the NBA. I thought that was an amazing documentary. And um, uh, the other one, I love his barbershop show. And I watched that. And I can tell a LeBron James story because I have reached out to get LeBron James on a podcast of mine, but it's not sports with friends. (laughs) LeBron James, this is the year before the Cavaliers won it. So 2015. Is that is that the year before the Cavaliers won it? Uh, so it was the yes, first year that yeah. the Cavs were in the finals, but it was the year before they won. And LeBron James, uh, the Cavs won a game. They didn't win the series. The Warriors won the series. The Cavs won a game. And LeBron James, the way I'm being told this story, it, uh, tweeted that he was celebrating tonight's victory with a Teen Titans Go marathon. Nice. Teen Titans Go is a cartoon that is uh, a very silly cartoon, mostly geared for adults, but also kids, um, about the Teen Titans, which are superheroes, Robin and uh, um, uh, Cyborg and th- th- these five heroes. And it's a comedy show and they're they're great. But he watches the show and one of the creators of Teen Titans Go follows LeBron James on social media and goes, holy crap, you watch our show. And he's like, oh, all the time, man. And he's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. You know, we'll write you into this. Do you want to voice yourself? And he goes, yeah, totally. Set it up. I'll totally do it. So there's an episode of Teen Titans Go that came out like 18 months later because that's how animation works. Yeah. (laughs) In it, the Teen Titans have to go to a basketball camp hosted by the great LeBron James. And the two things that the writers did to LeBron James to make him funny to kids they made it so that in LeBron James's life, he can't walk without dribbling the basketball <laughs> because that would be traveling. <laughs> and so everywhere LeBron James was going, he was bouncing a ball. And for some reason, LeBron James had a nervous tick 
And every time he dribbled the ball, he said the word dribble. So <laughs> he would go dribble, 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 dribble. And he would be like, I think we have to go in there, Teen Titans. And the Teen <laughs> Titans would walk and he'd go dribble, 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 dribble. And he would do it. And it was hysterical. And this was about five years ago. So my kids right now are 12 and 8. So five years minus uh, 7 and 3 or seven, 7 and 4. And I said to my little daughters, I said, you have to watch this. This is so funny. And I put that episode on and they were crying. They were laughing so hard. If you go to my kids right now, five years later, and say, who's your favorite basketball player? They will say LeBron James. Because of that episode. They have never, never seen an episode. Uh, no, seen a game that LeBron James has played. <laughs> they have never seen LeBron James play a sport. And they've seen that. They've seen that episode. And for that, I, th I think the world of him. I, I, I think the absolute world of him. So I, I have said, I when, this is pre-pandemic, but I had said... Um, about a year ago, that when the I think he was still with Cleveland, and I had said when Cleveland comes to New York, like New York, like Madison Square Garden or the Barclays Center or something around here that I could go to, I want five minutes with LeBron James, and I want to do a podcast with him for the Hall of Justice. Not I will not ask him about basketball. I would only ask him about about Teen Titans. Teen Titans. Yeah, I think it would be hysterical. I think it would be. Could you imagine if I say this week on the Hall of Justice, the great LeBron James is on? What are we talking about? Teen Titans go, and that would be it. I think LeBron James is a is a great dude. is a is a great dad. It's been a pleasure to watch him grow up and mature and become the man that he is. And he's also the second greatest basketball player of all time. So that's that's really good too. Right, and he's he's a great basketball player, but I think I think like he gets it. He just gets absolutely. He gets, he gets yeah, the value, sure. and he gets his voice. I don't think he always did. I don't think he always did get it, Seth. I think for a while there, he was tone deaf, and he was kind of uh, I don't know, he, a little too full of himself. Took himself a little too seriously. His ego maybe got out of control a little bit. But like I said, we've watched this dude, and look. This is a guy who, from he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 years old. People have telling him have been telling him how great he is and how great he's going to be from a very young age, and I, I think that would that would get to anybody's head, and and they they might take themselves a little bit too seriously and get an ego that gets a little bit out of control. So I don't I don't necessarily blame him for that. I think that's kind of human nature, but I really think he kind of turned turned the corner on that, and like I said, has grown and matured into what I think is, is a really good man, is a good father, represents all the right things for his community and people that look up to him. And uh, like Donald Trump said, he's not as good as Michael Jordan. <laughs> Just like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, that's very funny. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, have you watched what, – what have you watched a lot of? Um, like sports-wise or just in general? Yeah, what have you watched sports-wise? Oh, now that sports I, is back, what have you been watching? I mean, I'm not a hockey guy. I heard you, and I, hear, I know a lot. I'm in Minnesota, so I know plenty of hockey people are really enjoying what's going on in the bubble. And, hey, man, that's great. We all need things to make us happy right now. I've just never been a, a big hockey guy. But 
Seth, I literally, I told you, it's been a summer of self-care. So I meditate twice a day. I exercise twice a day. I walk my dog twice a day. I try to do things to kind of keep myself fresh and, and energetic and healthy and everything. And now that sports are back, I plan all of that around sports. Like I plan what time I'm going to wake up, what time I'm going to get my walk in, what time I'm going to get my workout in, what time I'm going to get my meditations in, when am I going to cook dinner? All of that is planned around the sports schedule for the day. So, so you watch I'm, you watch basketball, NBA you watch baseball, all day, NBA baseball, all day. Are you baseball, enjoying the NBA? I love the NBA. Yeah, I'm loving it, man. I think I think I think the bubble has has been a, a great product. And and honestly, just to, for an unemployed dude, the schedule of the NBA bubble of the is bubble because it's all outstanding. The right. We, there's a game going on right now. We get games going on all afternoon. Brooklyn long, leads so. Orlando oh, 65 man. to 48. Uh, and on. San Antonio yeah. leads Houston 24-23. I need to get that on my TV, Seth. Um, my one thing with the NBA, and I, I, I just I'm tying it. And this is because of competitive balance. And this is something that this is my argument against the NBA. And I say it to a ton and I say it to a lot of our NBA guests. My issue with the NBA is the regular season has so little value. And what the NHL did better than the NBA is they came back with a play in tournament, not a extension of your season. Right. And so the Washington Wizards just played a bunch of random opponents and they said, here, if you win a bunch of these games, you might slide into the playoffs, but you're in your standings. Whereas in hockey, five played 12, six played 11, seven played 10 and eight played nine in a best of five series. And when you tell players that it's a playoff series, even though it was a play in series from the minute one, it was intense. Yeah, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. And it, it, I love that. Format. And you immediately went into the action. And the NHL can do that because they have competitive balance. They have four good teams at least in each conference that did not make the playoffs. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the sport, in my opinion. In basketball, you're in a bubble. You're isolated and guys are resting. You, what are you doing that you're tired? You don't have travel. You don't have any of your home responsibilities. You're in a hotel in Disney World, for God's sakes, with three places that you can go to. You've got to be bored out of your mind. Yeah. I Why think, are you not playing? And I'm not well, blaming the players for not playing. It's right. If you're going to demean my regular season that much, I'm not compelled to watch it. And I'm, I'm with you there. I, I, don't, I don't blame the guys for, for taking the rest and trying to give themselves an advantage for when Don't the misconstrue actually, that. Right. 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 For, for wanting that advantage when the games actually matter. They have that luxury, but they have that luxury because, like you're saying, Seth, because of the format that the NBA went with where they basically scheduled meaningless games in this bubble before they ramp it up to, to the playoffs. But I'm just – I'm part of this and part of the reason that that I love it so much there has been I mean there are teams that are fighting for their lives you know what I mean and the, and and right, plenty but you have to of find those games not every game that's on is right is, exactly like you but, turn on the NHL or NBC Sports Network and you're like holy crap that's a game like oh my god what's going on and you're immediate and in the NBA it's yes there are a couple of those Phoenix Suns are playing important games 
but Milwaukee's not playing an important game. They're resting everybody. And and the Lakers aren't playing right. an important game because they don't really care either. And it's just like – and the NBA doesn't care. But part of what I really like about the NBA is, A, there there is plenty of good basketball and competitive basketball being played in the bubble. It's not all games that don't matter and guys who don't care and guys who are sitting. But also I think that, you know, sometimes – desperation forces the, some of the greatest innovations, Seth. And, and I think in this bubble, we've seen the NBA do, I'm watching the game right now and I'm looking at the screen and that track cam that just goes up and down along the, along the side of the, of the cool. court on the sideline there is a great angle and a great view of basketball that we've never gotten before. And the, like with the, the referee talking to the camera and we can actually hear what he says when he makes the call on some of these reviews, they've actually made reviews kind of interesting. You know, you know what I mean? Like I watched those reviews and I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, what's the referee going to say? Whereas before it was kind of just, it was just dead air and dead time and kind of anticlimactic when the referee finally made the decision. We couldn't hear what that decision was. We waited for it to, to go through the, the chain of command that they had in place before. So I think there have been some cool little unique innovations to the presentation and the packaging of the product that I think makes it a, a lot of fun to watch. And maybe that's another silver lining that comes out of these, these tough times that we're all in right now is that these leagues are trying to find new ways to make their sports entertaining, trying to find new ways to package it and present it to you. That makes it a better product. Well, that, and that's part of my, you know, my critic, and this is not a, this is more just an aesthetic criticism because I think the NBA has done a great job with their bubble and using the facilities they have. One of the things, and this is again, pure aesthetics in the NBA. What I, you know how they've been from the ceiling, they've been shining uh, the logos of the teams onto the court. Do that in the middle, do that in the middle so that your, um, your court has, if it's a Miami Heat home game, have a big Miami Heat logo. Because these yeah. players, they switch jerseys all the time for no reason. And in a neutral site, you don't know who the home team is. And I would make the home team a bigger deal. That's that, Again, these are nitpicky, but that, that, that's a thing. And the court, to me, looks like um, high school or AAU, like Itan is involved in, in AAU. It looks different. Now, Compare it to the hockey situation. And, again, this is not about the game itself because if you don't like the game, you know, I'm a big Prince fan, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a big Prince fan. And my thing about Prince is I have never said you must like Prince. Like, I've never said to you, you have to like him. Like, how could you not like I, I'm like, if you I like mean, him, cool. I don't I kinda care. Wa- if you don't if, – if I meet somebody who doesn't like Prince, I kind of wonder about him. <laughs> I have my doubts. I have my questions Fair. about you if you don't like Prince. I'm not, not going to lie. I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. Okay, fine. <laughs> so my point being is if you are in uh, – for me, for hockey, what I have said to anybody is if you are uh, in, within reason, I say to anybody in normal times, go to a hockey game. Go to a hockey game. Look me in the eye. And tell me it's awful. I used to say that about Prince concerts. Like Prince would be touring around America, and I'd say, "Go to a Prince concert. Look, look. Go to the concert. Look me in the eye and tell me it's awful." And I'll, if you do, I, I, I walk away from the whole thing. I can't change your mind. In the hockey, the tarps that they have custom made 
They have custom-made tarps over the stands. So unlike the NBA or baseball, for God's sakes, you don't see any empty seats. Those tarps look like they belong. Right. They look like they are there on purpose. Some baseball teams have done that. They put those – They and smartly have sold advertising space on those tarps and covered up the seats Correct. that you can see that are within camera view when right. when, when, when you have that right. field and when looks... you have that field level camera that's catching the act i mean you can't cover every seat totally in a baseball season seth when you get that overhead high shot you're gonna see empty seats but everything in terms of the game action i think you're right that you could do a little something to, to normalize that right. whether it is cardboard cutouts or putting the the tarps with the advertisements over them Make it look right. as normal as you can. And don't make us feel like something is missing from this product that you're showing us. And the NHL, unlike the NBA, is in its actual arenas. So right. you're in Edmonton, and what they've done is they've superimposed your ads, which I think is really cool. So, for example, if the home team is the... Um, like the Bucks, They play in Fiserv Forum, and they put Fiserv... On yes. the court yeah. for the Bucks, yeah. Right, but in hockey, they did it all across the board. So, oh, like, really? If, okay. if the Rangers are the home team, it's Chase Bank because Chase okay. is a bit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just looks, and when you're, and they wear their regular uniforms, none of this third jersey bullshit. And when you're watching a game, so if I tune in at three o'clock and I watch a game, I feel like I'm watching a regular game. This is the NHL playoffs. This isn't a bubble game, this is a game. And it's the playoffs, so I get hooked into the action, whereas in the NBA, it's all about, you know, uh, did the Lakers convince you enough that they're good with their win over Denver last night? It's like you have to make storylines. Right. And let the games make the storylines. Have you, you know? seen the digital fans, though, at NBA games? I love the I love digital, the digital fans. Tom doesn't like them. I love them. I, I, love I, I, think, that's, I think that's a great idea. I All, again... I, this is not a criticism of the NBA. This is a. This is why I think the NHL wins and the NA, NBA gets like a one A. Like the, the, it's just it's just little things. And I love the NHL's bubble, uh, the rules. Did you see the protocol rules? If you are caught outside your bubble, your team loses a draft pick. What? Hell yeah! That's, That's a great. bubble. That's great. That's a bubble. That's, That's an airtight bubble right there, man. And I, I have said, and <laughs> I have said to my, um, I've, I've said it, it, to my friends, I've said Gary Bettman did it right. Like Which, he did. I'm not a big hockey right. guy. Like I'm not a big hockey guy, but that seems surprising to a lot of hockey people. They're like, wait a minute, didn't he cancel a season ten years did ago? Gary did Gary Bettman get this shit right? Yep. Is that what just happened here? I feel like that's been the reaction of most hockey fans to this bubble so far. I, I it's it's shocking to me. It, it 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 it's it was shocking to me, and it was wackadoodle. It it really was. It was wackadoodle. <laughs> I I I'm so impressed, and I can tell you a funny Gary Bettman story. You want a funny Gary Bettman story? Sure. I know Gary Bettman for like. Over 10 years. I know him personally. Not because of anything I accomplished. It is clearly my mother-in-law being a Budinsky. <laughs> so my mother-in-law lives 
uh, in Florida. And she's in Florida, and she goes to this golf club, and this fancy-schmancy golf club, whatever. We're not judging. And she goes to this golf club, and uh, it's not the uh, Jeffrey Epstein club, so don't ask. Um, and they go, and they're, they're playing in a foursome. Like, you know, they get partnered with a foursome. And th- my mother-in-law and her, her husband, so my stepfather-in-law, let's just call him her husband, and he, he's a good guy. And they, they go to play, and they're playing with Gary and Shelly Bettman, right? So they're playing, with, they play golf, and they have a great round. And they have lunch together. And Gary Bettman, just out of nowhere, invites my mother-in-law. She says, I'm ha- we're having like a dinner party here later tonight. Why don't you uh, come by? So they're like, cool. And they're like, hey, that's the commissioner of the NHL. This is neat. Like, th- that, that's cool. And they're at the dinner. <laughs> and Gary Bettman excuses himself to go on the radio on the Fan 590 in Toronto. And I find out all of this after the fact. And I asked Gary Bettman. That's how I know the story. My mother-in-law doesn't know what the radio station is called in Toronto. Sure. Right? <laughs> and he comes back. And he sits down, and my mother-in-law's two seats down, and he says, I think media members should have to take a test before I go on their shows. And my mother-in-law, just because she's a wise guy, she just goes, you must hate all sportscasters. And she <laughs> he says, I don't hate sportscasters. I hate uninformed sportscasters. I don't want to do 12 minutes of a 15-minute interview on the two-line pass. Like, he, he did, like that, that, we're not talking rules. Like, that's not what you want me on. <laughs> you got the commissioner on to learn the rules of hockey. And so my mother-in-law says, well, good, because my son-in-law is a sportscaster, and uh, I just don't want you to hate all sportscasters. And Gary Bettman said, who's your son-in-law? And she says my name, and he knew who I was. And because of that night, my, I remember we were home, you know, sitting at home, and I get a phone call on our house line, you know, and I answer the phone and she says, Monday morning, you have to call Gary Bettman. And I'm like, the commissioner of the NHL. (laughs) And I hear like her version of this story. and I couldn't get over it. It was so strange. And I went in there and this is years before I uh, created the podcast. And I, I go in and I, he invites me down to the office to spend the afternoon. So I go into the NHL office, and I'm wa- and we're talking. And he um, he has to go because he has to record a PSA, a public service announcement for something. And he goes, "I'll be back in like six minutes. I just have to go uh, record something." He says, "Just feel free, rummage around the desk." And I go, "What?" And I so I do, and I just <laughs> start looking around. <laughs> <laughs> and I start looking around and I saw this folder, this blue folder, and it had all of the New York Islanders financials. And I thought that was amazing. <laughs> I was That's like, great. That's incredible. That's outstanding. And it's so funny because I thought you were going to say the folder had all the, the names of the guys who failed the, the secret PED oh, tests oh, in awesome. baseball in the late 90s. Oh, that's That'd a great. Been great. That's a great. <laughs> that's a, but it's so funny how like I worked for baseball for all that time and I knew Rob Manfred, but that was a professional thing. Rob right. Manfred was um, the lawyer in the 2002 almost strike. And 
we would go over to, to the Park Avenue offices and we'd have to camp out there from like my show ended, I think, at six. And I'd go there from like 645 to like midnight and just wait, because if they had a deal, we had to do a, a feature, you know, like or or if there was a strike, we had to do a feature. And uh, Manfred and I, we would go get pizza all the time and we would get beers once in a while, once in a while. Uh, we would get beers. If they didn't have a negotiation the next day, he would be like, let's go grab a beer. And we would go to this place called the Old Castle, and we would go. Like, I've had beers with Rob Manfred, and I never thought he would be the commissioner. Never thought he would be the commissioner. Did you think he'd be a terrible commissioner? Once oh, he got he's the an job? awful commissioner. Because he's, he's a terrible he, commissioner. And he hates me right now. He's the worst. He Because he, he, I did find out he subscribes to Sports with Friends, and I have crushed him on that show. And he hears it, and he knows it, and I know it because last year in the World Series, and ironically, like, did we know that COVID was coming? No. But last year, I got the gig to do the Syracuse postgame shows, the football postgame shows. Yeah. And they sold three remotes. Like, they sold it, so you got extra money, and you know what a remote is. So there were three games out of the 11 that were scheduled that I drove up to Syracuse for. And it was while the Nationals were home. Because remember the, 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 no, no, who the Nationals play? The Astros. The playoffs or in the World Series? No, the World Series. The Astros. The Astros, yeah. Yeah. The Astros had home field advantage. So one, two, six, and seven were in Houston. And if one, two, six, and seven were in D.C., I would have gone to one and two. But because it was three, four, five, and it was over a weekend, I couldn't go to Syracuse and Washington, D.C. at the same time. Sure. But the rule in the media is you have to, if you have a credential, you have to go or you have to tell them. Because right. if you just don't show, you could get blacklisted. Right. Because they only have so many seats and somebody it's a, else It's a have big that faux seat. pas. Right. Like, that's exactly. a big no-no. Right. Fine. I emailed my guy at MLB, who I've known for 50, you know, I, I've covered the sport for 25 years. And I emailed my buddy and I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know, I can't be at the World Series. So give my seat to somebody, uh, give my stuff to everybody. And, you know, I just I wipe out my credential. And he wrote, thanks. Thanks a lot. He says, by the way, uh, he says, Manfred would like to speak to you. <laughs> I wrote back and I went, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring my microphone and we'll do a sports with friends episode because there's plenty to ask. Can't, this is all pre-pinned. This was last year during the World Series. And my guy wrote me back and said, uh-uh. He says, meet first, then maybe podcast. And so it's then I started style. doing some digging and I found yeah, out it's... he is fuming at me because this guy, Eddie Dominguez, and I've told you this story. This guy, Eddie Dominguez, wrote a book uh, that, here, I had it right here. This book is called uh, Baseball Cop. I see that. And Eddie is a former Boston police detective who wound up becoming a resident security advisor um, for, for the Boston Red Sox and then became an MLB RSA and then became one of the heads of the MLB investigative team after the Mitchell report, remember the Mitchell report came out yeah. and mm -hmm. one of the things in the Mitchell report was you needed to uh, create your own independent um, investigative team. 
and he w- was one of the the heads of it, and he worked there for five years, and he knows where all the bodies are buried, and he was unceremoniously fired, and he wrote this book, and he did it with two of the great investigative reporters I'll ever know, Christian Red and Terry Thompson. They used to be at the New York Daily News, and now they're like independent freelancers, but they vetted all the stories that Eddie told them. Eddie said, I was there. I know how the bodies were buried. This yeah. is this is garbage. Like, you got to see this. And they proved that it was all right. And they show evidence that shows how what Eddie's saying is right. Right. And so Eddie asked me, I didn't know about the book because there was no publicity about it at all. And Eddie said, um, can I promote it on your show? And I was like, you want to come on my podcast? And I said, I'll make you a deal. I'll do a half hour with you, but I want to have Terry and Christian on to validate this stuff. Right. And if you listen to that podcast, and I'll put it on this Twitch channel, that podcast, Rob Manfred should be in jail, let alone, he should be in prison, let alone commissioner of baseball. And when you hear all that about accusations of human trafficking, like, it's insane. Yeah. And I just, you don't want... You don't want him anywhere near. And I guess he heard that whole episode and he's heard subsequent follow ups because when David Ortiz was shot, Eddie knew David because remember, he was the security advisor for the Red Sox and he knew Ortiz and he goes, that was no accident. And he he texted me and he said, that's no accident. And he goes, whatever you've got planned for your podcast, he goes, I can tell you. David Ortiz was targeted. And there's another episode that says David Ortiz was targeted. The week that he got shot, we had that podcast. It's amazing to me that it, it took this for, because I've been, I've been railing on Rob Manford for years, Seth. I, I, I don't think he's done a good job since he got into office. I actually, uh, on my radio show, when I still had one, I challenged him to meet me in the octagon for the commissioner's chair. He hasn't, he hasn't taken me up on that challenge yet, but Rob Manford, once again, meet me in the octagon, winner takes the commissioner's chair. But I'm, I'm shocked that it took, you know, COVID-19 and Major League Baseball's disastrous response and planning in, in reaction to that to, for, to expose this guy for so many people and for so many baseball fans to realize that this isn't, this isn't a guy you want leading your league. This isn't a guy you want leading much of anything he's 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 not a good person he's not a very competent person when it comes to the the things he want a commissioner to do and to grow a sport in terms of the success and the popularity of it it's amazing to me that just now because of COVID-19 and everything tied to it that so right. many baseball fans People are think looking he's an at idiot this now. guy right. and going wow maybe he's not the guy to lead this sport no he never was he, he never wasn't was. the guy to lead that sport the first day he sat down at that desk Meet me in the octagon, Rob Manford. I want to fight you, and I want to take your job, and I'll be better at it than you. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> um, look, like I said, he was a really nice guy. Um, last time I saw him was before the podcast with Eddie. Uh, it was at the winter meetings in Washington, D.C., and he was at the bar, and they were talking about the 2002 All-Star Game in Milwaukee. Remember the tie? Yeah, the tie, yeah. Do you remember the fire alarm went off at the Fister? 
at like I two in the morning. That, no. Oh my god! So it it wasn't two in the morning. It was like midnight, and I was dating a girl that was in the Fister, and so I had gone over there at like midnight, and the fire alarm goes off, and everyone had to evacuate because it was not a not a false alarm, and Bud Selig ran out in his pajamas. <laughs> And that's what, and Manfred is like holding court at the bar and he goes, Hey Seth, what's up, man? He goes, you were there. You saw Bud in his PJs. And I'm like, Oh, you're telling that story again. Ha ha. You know, like, yeah, like I knew that was the story. I yeah. knew that was the story. And yeah, like, and yeah, but now he, he's mad at me. Uh, how can people find you? I am uh, at Rami is tweeting. R-A-M-I-E is tweeting. Rami is across all social media platforms. Rami is twitching. Rami is gramming. Rami is snapping. Rami is tweeting. And uh, I'm going to do something soon, Seth. I don't know when exactly. You and I talked a little bit before uh, we came on the air. And look, and I told you this the first time we talked on this show. I took it hard when I got laid off, man. I really did kind of crushed me um and And that's what i I said i was gonna get you involved in this as much as i could and i I sort of turned a corner to now um i'm trying to not stress out about not having a job and everything else going on in this chaotic world right now and on some level kind of enjoy it you know what i mean when else have i ever had this much free time when else will i ever have this much free time so i'm just trying to take care of myself like i said plenty of walks plenty of exercise trying to cook some good meals watch plenty go. of sports, watch some good TV shows, watch some good movies, and just kind of, like I've been talking about, find the silver lining in all this, man, and try to appreciate this time for uh, for what it is. So, uh, and that's a, that's a really uh, roundabout way of saying, I have a lot of free time on my hands, Seth. <laughs> and anytime you want to have me on this show, I'm welcome. I'm happy to do it. Um, uh, Andrew writes, one thing that drives me nuts is people messing up the pudding proverb. People will say the proof is in the pudding, and I think they sound intelligent. The saying is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Really? Okay. I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> That's something I didn't know. Okay. I'm Who taking his word for it. You don't learn something on this show. I'll take his word for it because it makes sense. Um, next time you come on, because we're on Zoom now and it's so much easier, yeah. um, think about who we should get on. If we sure. should get Pfeiffer on or somebody, we should get on this show. Um, not to say that I can't talk to you for two hours, but um, we should we should think about people that you know that you want to connect with that you think we would get a kick out of. I'd love to, man. Anytime. That would be cool. That's uh, Rami Makhlouf. And, of course, uh, make sure that you, you see all the new graphics and the new fun things that we have here on the Twitch channel. Please, if you have Amazon Prime, if you have Amazon Prime, Rami, if you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to this channel for absolutely free. Wow. All you have to do is connect your your um, your Twitch account to Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime already, it's literally it's one website and it goes, you want to link this with this? Yes. And you do it and you connect that your account it. and then you subscribe to this channel for absolutely free. And we make a little money. Outstanding. And we make a little money if you subscribe, and that's how it works. And we do this show every day, and we're just trying to make a little living out of this, you know, and have some fun. Um, Rami, I'll talk to you soon, man. Stay in touch. Thank you so much, Seth. I'll talk to you again soon, man. That's Rami Makhlouf. I'm Seth Everett. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 right here on Twitch.